A boy's best friend is his mother. Janet! Dr. Scott! Janet! Ah! Rocky! Oh, you're so cool, Brewster! I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? It was an asylum! And it was hell! 20 years of pure hell! Movies don't create psychos! Movies make psychos more creative! They're all gonna laugh at you! Hey, shouldn't you be folding towels somewhere, sniffing jock straps? Better give me those shoes, they're mine, give them back to me! How many times do I have to tell you Ursula Andres belongs with the transvestites, not the perverts? Oh, you heterosexuals. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. You're a bullshit artist! They're coming! They're coming! Hello and welcome to Screaming Queens, the horror podcast with the Queer Eye View. My name is Jonathan Larkin. I'm Martin Fennessy. I'm Stephen Moore. I'm Jonathan Butler. So, in 1924, Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb, two preppy bright young things from wealthy Jewish families, kidnapped and murdered 14-year-old Bobby Franks. They set out to commit the perfect crime, believing that they were supermen. So academically lauded, physically attractive and intellectually superior, they were actually above the law. They weren't so clever that they could get away with murder, though, and it wasn't long before they were hauled in by the police. A media frenzy followed. It became known as the crime of the century, and it inspired plays, books and films, piquing the interest of a certain Alfred Hitchcock. In 1948, working with queer writer Arthur Laurent, Hitch brought us one of his most underrated classics. Jimmy Stewart, Farley Granger and John Dole starred in the simmering and oh-so-slightly queer rope. So we're not actually going to venture into like serial killer podcasts or anything like that, but we decided that we'd look at Rope and the surrounding backstory for it as well. And I don't know about you three, but I just became really fascinated with these two 
mm. characters mm. that inspired Philip and Brandon, is it? Philip and Brandon, yeah. Yes. Philip and Brandon and Rope. And yeah, I just sort of I spent like the last two days reading about them and mm. like, yeah. being grimly fascinated by them and the whole circus around them. I don't know if it was because I was reading a bit already in prison, but I just kind of started to really like them by the end of it and I felt really weird about that. I don't like when I end up liking someone who's <laughs> <laughs> obviously a bit sick. A bit yeah. nerdy. Yeah, yeah. A, bit, a bit nerdy, but you know, when you read about the prison life and that, it doesn't sound like they were that horrible. But that's a that's a normal thing that happens, doesn't it? Like like serial killers get like fan clubs, don't mm. they? Like all the women who throw themselves at. Oh, oh. Don't, am I that person? Maybe. I don't know. Because there's lightning to men on death row. I, I wouldn't be that surprised if I was that kind of person. Yeah, no, I'd probably do something like that. There's funny characters, aren't they? Because they were only. What, 18, 19, yeah. when they committed the murder. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we know enough about them, because well, one of them died in prison, didn't yeah, he? He was murdered, He yeah. was murdered. And the other one lived quite a long life and ended up getting married and mm. was, had a bit of an outcast life. He lived in Puerto Rico, didn't he, after his, yeah. <coughs> after his release? I think cause, probably because it was the only place where he could get work. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I wondered whether it's whether they've just been very overindulgent teenagers who've just took an idea that they've studied yeah and just got and just got carried and got carried away with their with Mm. with with themselves Mm. yeah to the extent that you're trying to you're trying to find yourself when you're 18 19 and you can latch onto something that makes you feel above the world yeah it's not a stretch to think that somebody 18 19 would do that but then if you're so removed from reality and you've got quite a middle class background or whatever then maybe life is cheap it's entitlement it's entitlement mm. taken to the nth degree isn't yeah. it yeah uh, and when people are that narcissistic and that entitled and have everything handed to them on a plate it can take them to quite dark places mm. dark places which obviously Alfred Hitchcock has always been a big fan of and what I love about his films is that they do they, even though they're sort of dressed up as classics and, and you can watch one at 4pm on, on a Friday afternoon on film 4 or something he does sort of like to look at the the real darkness mm. in, hu- in humanity. He he sort of has a macabre sense of humour mm. and likes to sort of really sort of lift the lid on that part of your psyche that exists in real people. You know, it's not monsters, it's not bogeymen, it's real people. He loves the macabre, doesn't he? He's mm. infamous for it. But he does, almost against your will, he makes you find that funny. Mm. Yeah, and Rope is a funny film, mm. isn't it, in a lot of ways. So Rope comes from, there was a play, Patrick Hamilton's play, which was British as well, I didn't realise. And that play is actually on at the moment as well. Interestingly, yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll plug that at the end of the show. But um, So the, it, it was a Patrick Hamilton play, and it was adapted into a screenplay by Hume Cronin, and Arthur Laurent. So Arthur Laurent um, is like a big Broadway queen who wrote Gypsy and West Side Story, mm-hmm. okay. amongst other things. Big queer sensibility about him, obviously. So it was quite interesting that Hitchcock asked him to write this screenplay, mm. adapt it from the play, adapt it from the, the sort of treatment that they put together. So it was 1948, am I right? Mm-hmm. And the film stars... Farley Granger and John Dole. Um, so Farley Granger plays Philip, who's the Leopold character, and John Dole plays Brandon, who's the Loeb character. Then you've got Jimmy Stewart coming in as their old teacher from the university, mm. isn't it? it? It opens with uh, a murder, doesn't it? It opens with um, one... Strangulation, isn't it? Yeah, one normal sort of sunny afternoon in New York in an apartment. Um, there's a Harvard undergraduate called David Kentley, and he's, we come in on him being strangled to death with a piece of rope by two killers, who, once he's dead... Look very postcoital, 
I'm <laughs> In fact, Brandon, and I get mixed up with Richard's, which in terms of Leopold and Lowe, Lowe, but Brandon, I think, is the Leopold one. He's actually Lope. smoking. He's Lowe. He's smoking a cigarette. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, here it is, literally, like, he mm. does look like he's just jizzed <laughs> and is, like, in, yeah. in bliss. Yeah. So they've strangled him to death and they very quickly put his, what, they put his body in the chest. Yeah. And mm. hide it in there. And whilst they invite the dead man's family and friends over mm. for a party, it's just so sick. It's ridiculous. Do you, know, do you know the little detail that I found really disturbing and really macabre was that Brandon checks to see if his heart stopped. Yeah. Before they put him in the chest, it's, there's something really clinical mm. about the way he he touches his chest and like makes sure he's dead. It's just really dark. I think it's because he's the most like perfect, isn't he? I think he's the one who really buys into the whole thing, and I think mm. he's just convinced the other guy to come along with him yeah. in this anyway. You say it's a thrill kill mm. is the idea, is that they've just done it because they wanted to do it. Yeah. But like, I feel like it's very one-sided. One person got a really big f- mm. thrill out of it and the other person yeah. thought they hadn't took it. Which is, often, which is often the case when it comes to a, a duo of killers, mm. isn't it? There's always one mm. subservient one, isn't it? The top and the bottom. Yeah. Basically. Not the correct term. <laughs> well, that's, that's a clinical term. Yeah. Okay. Same for himself. <laughs> Fair enough. But it goes very. It's, it's apparent. It's not just about the thrill of the kill, is it? It's actually that thrill of all his closest hmm. loved ones of varying descriptions actually being there in a room for a party, expecting him to attend the party, but he's already there. Yeah. In a student coffin. Yeah. yeah. He was where they're eating the food. Yeah. That's, that's and it. drinks off top of him. That's his, you know, that's his ego, isn't he? He's, mm. he's better than them all. He's better than them. He can, he can do that and get away with it. Yeah. And, and you're so stupid, you can't even tell that I've yeah. killed your son and your boyfriend. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I've always thought it was uh, out of character for David to drink anything as, as corrupt as whiskey. Out of character for him to be murdered, too. <laughs> yes, wasn't it? The good Americans usually die young on the, on the battlefield, don't they? Well, the Davids of this world nearly occupy space, which is why he was the perfect victim for the perfect murder. Of course, he, uh, he was a Harvard undergraduate. <laughs> that might make a justifiable homicide. He's dead and we've killed him, but he's still here. In less than eight hours, he'll be resting gently but firmly at the bottom of a lake. Meanwhile, he's here. What are you doing? It's not locked. All the better. It's much more dangerous. A- anyway, the lock's too old. It won't work. I wish it would. I wish we had him out of here. I wish it was somebody else. It's a trifle late for that, don't you think? Uh, whom would you have preferred? Kenneth? Oh, I don't know. I suppose anyone was as good or as bad as any other. You, perhaps. You frightened me. You always have, from that very first day in prep school. Part of your charm, I suppose. So we're introduced to a whole cast of characters. There's lots of sort of memorable sort of standout performances, I think, especially from 
Um, I think it's is her name Constance Collier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mrs. Played, Atwell, isn't it? Mrs. Atwell or yeah. Mrs. Atwater. Mm. Atwater, that's it. Who's like the word psychic? Yeah, she's like a socialite who reads people's palms <laughs> and stuff. Horoscope. The neighbour in Bad Seed, isn't it? Is that the same actress? No, no, no. But it's oh, like the same thing. Oh, yeah, I suppose it is. The horoscope's yeah, yeah. the same thing. It's yeah, a very similar, you know, busybody. Yeah. Hmm. There's one moment before they arrive, which I think is really hilarious because they've got. I mean, I love their apartment. They almost think the weather's. The way it is now, it'd be freezing with this window. Yeah, and they have the flimsiest <laughs> curtains, which they open to let the light into the room, and the traffic noise. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I must say as well, the opening credits is the shot of the street below, isn't it? Whilst mm-hmm. so there's like a normal everyday scene of a New York street whilst upstairs there's a murder going on, and that's where we get the Hitchcock, Hitchcock cameo. Because mm-hmm. well, there is a second was. one, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not it's really not included. It's not him, but there's a. There's an outline, there's a neon sign in the background that's an outline of his head. Well, it didn't he cut, did I thought cut they cut it. it. Did they cut it? Did yeah, they? it's cut. It's in the special feature saying that it, they cut it, but yeah. it was there in the background. It was supposed know. to be there. Oh. But they cut it, because he thought it was too obvious, but I actually think that would have been well cooler. Oh, yeah, it would have been. Of a gamier. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but he wasn't very satisfied with the film overall himself, was he? Well, that's a maybe for later. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when it pans up from the streets mm. to... The apartment yeah. and the killing going on. The sounds of the of the lads being strangled are orgasmic. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're like they're, 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 right. you, they're not. They're not screams. Yeah, they're yeah. moans. Yeah, there's so many like little sort of queer ways to read this film. I mean, it's not even. It's not even a sense of trying to dig out stuff to read. It's all. Just, it's all actually just there. Yeah, it? it is. It's very on the Yeah, and I did wonder watching it whether whether a lot of it was like the writer putting it in there without Hitch knowing. Um, I don't. I don't think he wouldn't. That, I don't think he. He's he's a smart enough person. He would have yeah. definitely got it. I think he knew because yeah. because Farley Granger was known to be gay. Yeah. He was known to be a gay actor, though not obviously publicly, but professionally, he was known to be yeah. gay. And the other fella who John Dahl was John Dahl was bisexual, right? And he was yeah. married, but he had lots mm. of he had, was having lots of affairs with men and women yeah yeah. asked two other people to take part because they were gay as well but they declined and do you know who those other people were yes Montgomery Clift was going to play the and, John Dole character and um, Carrie Grant yeah if Montgomery Clift and Farley Granger uh, played those two characters I would not get through that film without masturbating <laughs> <laughs> Montgomery Clift is one of those beautiful men who ever mm. lived and the fact that he had he turned it down because he didn't want to be associated with it is uh, really sad mm-hmm. I think mm. Cary Grant, yeah, you know, I'm not that bothered about him, but... He can't not have known because the original play, the gay relationship between the two characters was yeah. apparently much more prominent, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And But also there was more of a gay relationship between them and the Jamie Stewart yeah, the character professor. as well, wasn't there? Was that the, the article you called? Yeah. yeah, he went to have an affair with, with one of them at mm. least, doesn't he? But, but it's, it's all very complicated. Interesting, I think, with this is that when I was watching it, I kind of picked up a gay vibe of his character, like the character itself. Yeah, I could understand that because it felt like he was a bit of a mentor and um, Brandon, he was the only person he kind of worshipped, he kind of looked up to and I felt like he was always trying to impress him. Mm. Yeah. And it kind of felt like he was someone that he like kind of felt something for when he was younger and it was yeah. all to try and impress him, to try and win him over. Yeah. And that was the one person that he was like, um, I'm getting the names mixed up again. So Philip worshipped Brandon, and yeah. Brandon worshipped yeah. the professor, and that's how it kind of felt like. A mm. hierarchy of worship. And mm. that all came across as really gay, and 
was the gay older man yeah. single with no kind of connections to anyone mm. else but then it felt like the actor didn't realise that his character was gay well the, the, the thing with um, what, what I've read the, the sort of consistent thing I've read in different write-ups on the film is that there were worries about the film being too homosexual so they never would have even if Cary Grant had said yes I think there might have been an issue about it because he was more he was more of a sort of sexual actor in a way he's more sensual whereas Jimmy Stewart didn't have like a sex side to him people didn't look at him in that way so I think he was the safer bet to play the role because the, he wouldn't have that kind of chemistry with the two lads the way another actor might have mm. and he was a violently right wing Republican Jimmy Stewart was he yeah, yeah. so it, he was like very 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 conservative so it wouldn't have been something that he would have countenanced as much as everybody thinks of Jimmy Stewart dead fluffy yeah yes. He was so really just really Yeah. From the beginning, I'm in love with Father Granger. I'm in love with him, him, the other one. Strangers on a train as well. Oh yeah, he was my favourite one. He's just got he's got power bottom eyes. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> he's just dead nervous, wasn't he? Yeah. I just like wanted to like cuddle him. And he's also got that he's got that slightly out of line chin that Tyler Posey from Team Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> so that gave him extra stripes in my eyes as well. I like how he got more drunk as well as hair kind of just like flopped down a little bit mm. more and it just looked a bit rough. Yeah. Like it'd been ruffled. I was okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but his Brandon is just horrible, isn't he? He's like, he's like completely cocky, arrogant. He's like the, he's like, um, he's like toxic, white, elitist yeah. male. Awful. All in one, pe- all in one person, isn't he? Mm. Um, I really love Mrs. Wilson now, the cleaner. The cleaner. Yeah, yeah she was fabulous. Um, I thought that it was quite funny that when the minute she walked into that room, she thought something's wrong, something's not right here. Mm. She was like, "Why? Why are you? Why is the? Why are you putting the candlesticks on the trunk? Why are we serving mm. dinner off the trunk?" And she was like, "You know, the minute she walked in, she was onto them in a way." And I quite like that. And she was part of quite a few little plot points where she give away clues of what was going on. Yeah. And she almost opens the trunk and she yeah. tells things about why they changed where they were eating up. Yeah. And I felt like you just don't fuck with the maid. The mm. maid will. However, I thought it was good. It was quite clever that the minute she started doing all that, Brandon knows exactly how to disarm her. He knows mm-hmm. exactly how to impress her. So he starts talking about champagne and mm-hmm. canapes and appealing to a sort of sense of occasion and beguiling her a little bit with that. So he knows exactly how to calm mm-hmm. her down and get her off the scent. I thought that was quite funny. And you, you sort of see her, um, you sort of see her buy into all that because she she runs out the room and comes back in with a little flower in her hair and stuff mm-hmm. to impress everyone. I thought all the women were really good though as well. I liked Janet as soon as she walked in. That was just she had one of those introductions to a character where you just instantly fall in love with someone. Mm-hmm. And it was the way she was doing. Um, Don't touch my head. It took hours. And then mm-hmm. was I being funny then? I didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I just love you. She's the way I'm just. <laughs> Besotted. <laughs> she knows how to use her feminine wild, doesn't she? Yeah, I was like, you know exactly when you're being funny, honey. This is yeah. <laughs> you're not fooling me. Yeah. So Janet comes in and she's just broken up with And she's broken up with Kenneth, but she was going out with David. Party Kenneth guests, turns up at the party, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Kenneth's yeah. So she, she, a she broke yeah. up with Kenneth to go out with David. That's right, yeah. And was mm-hmm. just going out with David, but actually before she broke up with Brandon Brandon, Brandon to go out with Kenneth. Yeah. She's working away through. Yeah. You sort of see it's sort of it's it's quite it's sort of quite a clever script, isn't it? Because it kind of it, it, it sort of says a lot about the different worlds that they all mm. inhabit. It says a lot about the maid, the world that she inhabits. It says a lot about the two boys, but it shows you that they're all a little bit ruthless. They're mm. all sort of all these little social climbers. Mm. They're all sort of working their way through well, each other. Which is a career girl. 
she she writes for a magazine called Allure. Allure. <laughs> Allure. 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 Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't take any shit. So yeah, that's true. Hello, ducks. Angel. <laughs> Be careful of my hair. It took hours. You smell dreamy. What is it? That uh, swirl you you gave me last Christmas. I always knew I had good taste. You do. You look lovely. I won't by the time it's all paid for. <laughs> is that funny? I never know when I'm being funny. Whenever I try to be, I lay the bomb of all time. Philip, sweet. <laughs> Hello. What's this rumor I hear about you in town hall? I bet you're going to play a foul trick on all of us and become horribly famous. Yeah. Well, I, the impression I got, though, from that was that it was all kind of Brandon's doing anyway. He was he was manipulating the situation the anyway. Master, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because he was then trying to get. Well, that, manipulate he, well, Kenneth at the start and, of it, Janet to get back together. He was at the start. He says to Kenneth, "Oh, I think your chances with Janet might improve mm-hmm. tonight." Because like, he knows, because David's fucking dead yeah. in the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> she's in, she's in the bedroom. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Put the radio on and then leave the room. So it's just them two with the music playing in the background. Yeah. It's very, it's good. Well, it's it's fair, good if, yeah. if that's all it takes to pretty easily manipulate it, then oh, we're, we're, I'm in a room with a woman and there's music playing. Oh, oh, oh here we go. <laughs> That's not generally how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> That's how gays work. <laughs> Sometimes you don't even bother the music. <laughs> no. No. Or the room. Or the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, I love that. There's a point where they reference Freud as well, don't they? I think it's Janet mm-hmm. who references yeah. Freud. And Freud was actually one of the psychiatrists asked to assess Leopold and Loeb. Um, yeah, child. In real life, but didn't it? he refuse? Some some things you read say that he refused, but others say that it was due to ill health. Uh-huh. He couldn't get there. But I'm not. I don't see how Freud would have resisted. I was going to say, I mean, mm. he's, he's quite old, and he'd lived in Austria, not in America. And yeah. you, yeah. fifteen years after that murder, he died at the age of ninety. So he was, he was so, old. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. So yeah. I can put it down to illness or just being too freaking old. That makes there. more sense. And but 3,000, 4,000 miles away. Yeah. <laughs> so we have references to Freud and then we do sort of get the references to Nietzsche as well, don't we, and mm. the Superman yeah. theory. So that some people are, are morally and culturally superior to others to the extent that they can decide whether people live or die without consequence that's yeah. essentially that's essentially it mm. and that, that that they're so superior that you don't need to question their yeah their motives or their decisions because it, they will they will always be right yeah so leopold and Lowe both subscribed to this to this mm. way of thinking didn't they and it went from one extreme to another. So if you if you go back and look at what they did, so they started out with small things, didn't they? They weren't they just being mm. it was just causing chaos, smashing windows, mm. vandalism, like, yeah. a bit of arson. I think was thrown in a there. A lot of well. theft. Mm. Arson was when they started getting a bit worse. Mm. Yeah, but they were just stealing things at first and yeah. breaking windows, but nobody noticed and nobody paid attention. Yeah. Because you could probably put it down to very boisterous entitled hijinks yeah. yeah if you think of I don't know if you think of Boris Johnson and David Cameron and the Bullington Club that's mm. the sort of that's the sort of things that they the Bullington Club students get up to all the time burning 20 pound notes in front of homeless people yeah that's what rich exactly. young men actually do those sorts do. of things all the time just like yeah. 
fuck pigs and stuff and get away with it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Leopold. So, did you know, Le- I, I found this one out today, Leopold and Loeb, where they grew up, is where Barack Obama grew up. Gosh. Yeah. How interesting is that? How has nobody exploited that as fake news? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was the third He one. was the third one. <laughs> He's also about 40 years older than he's had yeah. um, I love the fact that Sir Leopold was like an ornithologist. Um, mm. And he was mm. like, he was like the leading authority on some particular endangered songbird. But after the murder, people started coming forward and saying, oh, I remember when he was younger, he used to, he used to get birds and kill them and just so he could uh, stick them to his pin boards and study them. And all this, I don't know whether that's actually true. Because people come up with that shit all the time, yeah. don't they? But what I do. It's an of a. Uh, yeah, killing animals, isn't it? Like a, yeah, it is. But it's before that was like known that that was an early sign as well. That's but so. you don't know that it's. Tr- you don't know whether it's true though, do you? Because people will claim to yeah, know all sorts of things about people yeah. after yeah, they've done something terrible. Yeah. If that came out now, I'd say then, yeah, people know that, that that's an early sign that. You could say, oh yeah, you mm. did this when you were younger. Back then, they didn't know that harming animals when you're a kid is a predetermined. I just think, from the characters in this, if they were doing this for thrill to see if they could get away with it, if they got away with it, it wouldn't have been the only person that they killed. Yeah, probably. Exactly, because you have to move on to the next. Mm. Yeah, the next guy to go one better than the one you did before, didn't you really? Yeah, because that's not how it works. You don't just get mm. to the top and stop, mm. you keep going. Yeah. It would have been the beginning. The thing I love about the whole story is how is the thing that gave them away. Glasses. 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 Yeah. And I think you're so, just the irony of that, thinking Mm. you're so superior and so intelligent and so clever, and yet you fucking drop your glasses. You don't even go back to try and find your glasses. Yeah. Retrieve them. You just leave them there. That's how arrogant you are, but actually that's how stupid you are. Yeah. Mm. Exactly, but both of them, uh, both of them, sort of rested on the laurels a little bit, didn't they? So the two of them were like extremely intelligent. Just mm. you know, they were given that on a plate, really. Um, and I mean, a lot of people actually say that they think that Leopold, if he hadn't met Loeb, wouldn't have gone on to commit murder in a bit of a Hindley and Brady type situation. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like the perfect storm of two people coming together who should never ever come together, mm. um, and. Um, do you, think, do you think the same with Loeb as well, even though he was the more, he was the top, wasn't he? He was the more aggressive yeah. one who wanted to do it. So they were both kind of arrogant in their cleverness and their academic brilliance, but they were also both lazy. With mm. It's said that Loeb uh, was the University of Michigan's youngest graduate at 17, but he wasn't a great student, so he was lazy, became an alcoholic. So um, it's, it's that kind of, it's when you're given everything on a plate, you don't have mm. to work for anything. So you do sort of let little things like that slide, you know, yeah. like leaving the murder weapon, <laughs> like, yeah. leave, like leaving something incriminating at your yeah. murder scene, mm. you know. It is, it's, they were so arrogant that they actually didn't think to check them, what they were doing. Yeah. And it was just so obvious. They mm. made a, quite a few mistakes, even getting questions and saying that they were um, going to pick up two prostitutes in the car, but the car was getting fixed by someone yeah. who yeah. was obviously going to, they were going to find that out. Mm. Yeah. Like, that's so amateur. I know. God, I could commit the perfect crime. Leopold and Loeb didn't have podcasts on crime to, to rely on, did they? So yes. They didn't do their landing, did they? But, um. And adding to that, though, I suppose, to like crime, you know, fighting techniques weren't as sophisticated back then. Mm. If someone 
hardly have just picked up those glasses. They might have just got away with it totally. Yeah. And yeah. I, it was because the hinge on the glasses had only been used on four pairs of glasses yeah. that had been sold yeah. in New York. That is a bit of a fucking weird thing. But it's the sort of thing that it's the sort of thing that forensics, yeah, yeah, use now, isn't it? And also, I think it's um, there's some there's probably part of them that thought, well, we're rich and well to do, and will anybody care that we've done it anyway? Yeah, mm. yeah I think that's because they're so rich. You there's the, you there's something around there is something around even to, even now that people who have got enough money and power yeah won't be treated as severely as people who. Yeah. Don't. However, they did make a big mistake, didn't they? In that, <laughs> maybe this says more about my thinking than theirs. But if they'd have chosen a boy who wasn't rich, yeah, and who was just off, out of the slums, yeah, they probably would have got away with it. Either got away with it, or there would have been ways to win the way out of the way out of yeah. it, and got much less of it. Stiff as ones. Yeah. Yeah. It was the source. Of, it was part of the plan, wasn't it? So the plan was that they would kidnap a boy, and then hold him to ransom. So there had to be someone rich, didn't it? Because mm-hmm. he wanted to get the money out of them. And wasn't it wasn't wasn't it Loeb's cousin? Second yeah. cousin. Loeb's second cousin. So like Bobby Franks was like fourteen, and he was Loeb's second cousin. And they basically came and picked him up in a car while he was playing tennis. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. And offered him a, offered him a ride home, and which he didn't want. He didn't want but it. But he got sort of cajoled into yeah. taking it. Yeah. Whacked him over the head a few times with a chisel. chisel. Which sounds really nasty. Which sounds really nasty. But he didn't die as quickly as they thought he would. But he wasn't unconscious as quickly as they thought he would be. So they they um, stuffed a rag with chloroform down his throat, that right? Mm-hmm. And he choked on that, and that's how he died. I thought the most Horrible. gruesome thing and was the used acid on his face and yeah. a distinguishable scar on his genitals to hide it was him, so yeah. that he couldn't see um, his yeah. circumstances. Yeah. But that was really graphic. Yeah, that's where I thought. They thought they were actually being really clever, but obviously it didn't take long for them to identify him, so they went. Yeah. But yeah. I just thought that was really yeah. quite disgusting. Well, it just shows that they saw him as an object and not, not mm-hmm. as a human being as well. Mm. So we don't get any of that in Rope. No, we don't. So that element of it is sort of dulled down a bit in Rope. And, and, um, basically, the Leopold and Loeb story is, is taken as the basis for the film, isn't it? Mm. And then the whole drama, the whole play is built up around that. So we don't get any acids burning genitals, and uh, interestingly, the victim is one of their contemporaries as well, isn't he? He's not like a little, he's not a fourteen-year-old boy, yeah. so that does make a big difference for, for rope as well. So it has to be a bit more palatable to a to an audience, doesn't it? And the the common thread is two people who think that they are superhuman, committing what they think is the perfect crime, and the arrogance of that, and how that unravels. Yeah, definitely. I loved the bit where. The psychic socialite tells him that um, his hands are going to make him famous one day. Yeah, yeah. such a good little. Because he's a piano player, isn't he? Yeah, it's so clever. Because even it's one of those things where it makes you feel clever as a member of the audience to be like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah well. what she's saying, yeah, yeah, totally. And his face is just his face is just frozen in horror. Yeah, and she's com- she's completely oblivious. She's completely oblivious to everything. Yeah. Never mind that, but she's completely oblivious to it. She almost adds to the horror. Yeah, and the story about strangling chickens as well. Yeah, mm. uh, I love the fact that <laughs> there is a, there is a bit of a hint at a sexual relationship when Rupert says, "You're quite a good chicken strangler," as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> There's an amazing bit, isn't there, where Rupert is sort of grilling them. 
and they're stood slightly off the screen so you can just see the back of Rupert's back. Yeah. That's where the the maze is uh, yeah. clearing clearing up the stuff off the top of the chest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're focusing like so the visual is all on that chest and you're willing to open it, aren't you? But it, I don't know if it was just me, but you were kind of hoping that you wouldn't open it because you didn't want them to get caught. But yeah. you did want them to get caught. Was yeah. it just me who was conflicted about that or? No, I wanted them to get caught, but I wanted it to be the other guy who caught them. It couldn't have been here just stumbling across. I wanted them yeah. to be outsmarted because he was so cocky. Yeah. He really wasn't likable. I wanted him to get caught. I yeah. did feel sorry for. I felt him. sorry for her. I didn't want her to open and see yeah. Yeah. the corpse inside. I mean, sure, she probably could have coped, but just thought, oh, no, I don't want. Yeah. I liked her too much for her to yeah. be subject to that. Because it is adapted from. A stage play. I think it's proper obvious mm. when you're watching it that this is a stage play because it's all the one room thing and you're moving mm. around. But I just love the way everything's focused on the dialogue and it's everyone is introduced. Everyone's got a proper character. Yeah. And I just feel like it was one conversation, then another conversation, another conversation, and I was just following it on like that. Yeah. There was no dull moments. Half the time they were talking about something that actually didn't matter. It was just a superfluous conversation on the surface. But then it actually told you a lot about that person yeah. or something that was backstory or emotive. Yeah. Without specifically saying it. So it was it was very clever writing. That's I think the writing is, is the strongest thing yeah, in this. It is really good writing because, you know, someone said to me recently, um, and I'd written a, a scene for this script I was working on, and I was guilty of it, and he said, um, you're writing what they're doing. They're talking about what they're doing, and nobody does that in real life. It's not like I'm sitting here and saying to you, oh, I'm drinking this glass of juice. You know, people talk about other things whilst the real story's actually going on visually between them, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think you do see that a lot in this film. I love the bit where they're sitting talking about um, that they're having a joke about killer instincts, and um, face Rupert is talking about a cut a throat week or strangulation day. Strangulation day. <laughs> <laughs> Now, mind you, I don't hold with the extremists who feel that there should be open season for murder all year round. No. Personally, I would prefer to have cut a throat week <laughs> or a strangulation day. <laughs> Probably a symptom of approaching senility, but I must confess I really don't appreciate this morbid humor. Well, the humor was unintentional. But you're not serious about these theories. Of course he is. Oh, you're both pulling my leg. No, why do you think that? Well, Brandon, the notion that murder is an art which a few superior beings should be allowed to practice. In season. <laughs> now, I know you're not serious. But I am. I'm a very serious fellow. Then may I ask, who is to decide that a human being is inferior and is therefore a suitable victim for murder? The few who are privileged to commit murder. And just who might they be? Oh, myself. Philip. Possibly Rupert. Hmm. I'm sorry, Kenneth, you're out. <laughs> Gentlemen, I'm serious. So are we, Mr. Catley. The few are those men of such intellectual and cultural superiority that they're above the traditional moral concepts. Good and evil, right and wrong, were invented for the ordinary average man, the inferior man, because he needs them. Then obviously you agree with Nietzsche and his theory of the Superman. Yes, I do. So did Hitler. Hitler was a, a paranoid savage. His supermen, all fascist supermen, were brainless murderers. I'd hang anywhere left. But then you see, I'd hang them first for being stupid. I'd hang all incompetents and fools anyway. There are far too many in the world. Then perhaps you should hang me, Brandon, for I confess I'm so stupid I don't know whether you're all serious or not. But in any case, I'd rather not hear any more of your, forgive me, contempt for humanity. 
but for the standards of a world that I believe is civilized. Civilized? Yes. Perhaps what is called civilization is hypocrisy. Perhaps. Well, I'm sure Rupert, fortunately, oh, now, gentlemen, has really, the intelligence I... and imagination Please, to... Brandon, I think we've had just about enough. Or is this the page? Yeah, that's just yeah, the page. Yeah, I think the page yeah. actually is the page. Yeah. I think the most... Someone watched this and then went... That's a good idea for a film. Now. Let's do that. Yeah. Well, he says, doesn't he, that it couldn't just be like a free for all all the time. You'd have to, you know, give people limits and, you know, a day or a, a week. And even yeah. the fact that it's the rich socialites allowed to do to the poor people is yeah. straight from the page. Yeah. You must have stolen. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? And they're sort of just sitting around talking, throwaway comments all about murder and killing people. And um, it, it, it was all about superiority and entitlement, wasn't it? And then who deserves what? So, like, the children would get. Yeah. Like, Strangled, or this person would get it in and the fruit slit, and it was just like it was, yeah, it was morbid, but it was. I could imagine it being fun having that kind of flippantly conversation if you're that important. And so it gets interrupted with cake, <laughs> the conversation about hanging people, yeah, it's interrupted by was it Mrs. Wilson with some cake? <laughs> and I'm some cake. <laughs> Although Mrs. Wilson, I think it's Mrs. Wilson earlier when the food's first served and Janet's stuffing her face with pate. And she says, oh, yeah, if brilliant. I was you, I'd go easy on the pate. And she just looks at her and goes, calories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If Brandon is the puppet master, then I don't know what that makes Rupert, because he's he's above all of them, isn't mm. he? He's playing everyone. He's the actual that. puppet master. Yeah, because he put the idea in the heads in the first place, talking about murder and talking about the Superman theory and everyone's place in the world and looking down on everyone and stuff, I think. It's him. It's he reads the situation so well because he kind of has gone through it in his head already, hasn't he? He's done the theory of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's something is something can be fine as a thought experiment to think about like that, but yeah. Brandon actually puts it into practice, and yeah. which is not which wasn't the point. Yeah. <laughs> There's some great lines that Brandon comes out with that really sums his character up and and his sort of narcissism and his nihilism and, and, and just how cold and robotic he is and there's, there's a line where he says good Americans usually die young on the battlefield yeah mm. and then he just refers to Davis he, he just says he was just occupying space yeah mm. it's quite it's, it's quite grisly um, the, the the reference to the battlefield as well there's so much modern horror and classic horror that's inspired by war and mm. a lot of a lot of it wouldn't have come about a lot of horror wouldn't have come about if a lot of people didn't see dead bodies in trenches and you know, moving on to Vietnam and all that sort of stuff. So I thought that was nice that that kind of added to that hmm. horror tradition as well. Because doesn't David's dad talk about that? Doesn't talk, talk? He compares him to Hitler, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. Says you know yeah. that's what all the that's what that war was about, basically. Yeah. yeah. Brandon says earlier on the power to the, the power to kill is just as satisfying as the power to create. Yeah. It, it's it's just all about that, isn't it? It's about you to create is. Is mundane. It's everybody. You know, the world creates. Everyone, everyone fucks and, and procreates, but not everybody kills. Yeah. So I'm gonna kill. Yeah. Well, that's a line, isn't it? Murder is a crime for most men, but a privilege for for some. Mm. There's a line in it as well where he says, um, it's, and it really plays up the sexuality of it as well, where Brandon says, um, nobody's ever committed a murder for the experiment of it. Nobody except us. But as he says, us. Philip pops the cork of his champagne, <laughs> and it's it's literally like I don't have to spell that one out for you. But <laughs> <laughs> I will. It's like coming. <laughs> <laughs> Someone commented on our um, consistent jizz jokes in every episode, 
of our podcast today. So I'm just putting that back in there. You know, is is it not like coming when the butt plug fl- flies out? When the what? The butt plug flies <laughs> out. <laughs> oh, Jonathan Butler, I'm sorry about this. I, I don't even. I don't even know what this is. <laughs> What he's talking about is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What I thought was was interesting as well is that they went through the plays and they circling all the stuff that they thought was too gay Did before they, they adapted it into the screenplay. Yeah, so they, they, uh, um, oh, no, after they adapted it. So the butt plug scene came out. So the, butt plug, <laughs> the butt plug flew let's out. Make it, <laughs> let's make it champagne. Let's put it back in. <laughs> Yeah, they took the butt plug out, they took the references to Kylie out. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it all went. But uh, there was like there were lots of references to where he calls him my dear boy. Yeah, the Falchon scene's gotta go. That's <laughs> the scenes, actually. Um, there's lots of my dear boys that were cut out of the script, apparently. Fair and you'll notice as well... Is that really gay or something? My dear, my dear boy? boy, I don't know. But they changed it to like my dear Philip or my dear Brandon or whatever. And I was reading today as well, someone put together the, the fact that um, one of the characters says, mind your P's and Q's. Mm. Um, it's it's the housekeeper yeah, as she's leaving. Yeah. Mm. And that was the code. That was code because throughout the script, they repeat the words peculiar and queer. Mm. Uh-huh. So when Mrs. Wilson says, mind your P's and Q's, it's a reference, it's code. Patricia Hitchcock, Hitch's daughter, someone said to her, did you and your dad know that it was a very gay, you know, the, the characters were gay, and apparently she replied saying, oh yeah, they were all gay. <laughs> all those characters were gay, the three of them were. Brandon, how did you feel? When? During it? scenes and it was when the professor starts a question and Philip and he's questioning while he's playing the piano oh, and he starts playing old. with the metronome at the tension yeah, yeah. and then the music's getting faster mm. as he's doing it because he's getting nervous and it's just the way the questions are being like yeah. asked and answered or like saying I get very suspicious when people don't answer the question or go and answer me ask me it again and it's just like it's just so well done like I genuinely was on the edge of my seat going He's yeah, because like <laughs> the, the metronome goes faster as the piano goes faster, yeah. and the conversation—it's yeah, brilliant. It's ramping up like serious tension in that moment. Apparently, that music—I um, mean, it is the whole film is gay. Apparently, the music was picked because the composer was gay. Yeah. It wasn't written especially for the film; it was an already existing piece of music. Wow. I would love to see the play. I'm good. So it's on a little plug. It's on in um, the new one. <laughs> a little book plug. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, James Sutton. I'm giving you a book plug live on air. Um, James Sutton, who was John Paul in Hollyoaks, who's yeah, really, yeah. really lovely and a really good actor. He is in a version. He's in a new production of Rope, and it's on at the New Wolsey Theatre, and it's on from the seventh to the seventeenth of March. So if you're down that end of the, of the country. 
Is that is Go that in that London? Um, it's Ipswich. Ipswich, okay. Yeah, um, which I would love to have got to see, but I'm not going to get a chance to, especially seeing as we're stuck in a blizzard at the moment. So there's yeah. no way I'm getting on a train to Manchester. Never mind Ipswich. Yeah. But yeah, I would love to see the play. I think the writer um, Arthur Lawrence does a really good job of sort of adapting it to a film that had to be screened and during its Hayes Code, isn't it? Mm. During the Hayes Code, yeah. I think um, I think he managed to get so many of the queer references through. I think that's really... It's a really great script. And it didn't do that well, did it, the film? No. no. I think the best films don't really do, they? The, the best films don't really do well mm. when the first out. They take years before people appreciate them. I think this was just as good if not better than everything else I've seen Hitchcock yeah. I don't don't you yeah. yeah. it's not as good no, no I, I don't I don't think it's as good at all I think it's quite I don't for Hitchcock I think it's not very good at all really I mean it's, it's a I like it's it. a good it's film it's a good film I mean saying Hitchcock film isn't very good is you yeah, know, like yeah it's not a damnation that's not a damnation you people would kill to make a bad Hitchcock yeah. film <laughs> yeah. um but it isn't. But he said it, he he wasn't happy with it himself, and even he says it's an experiment that just didn't work. Mm. And I kept on finding myself when I was watching it, um, because apparently when they were what when they were filming it, the sets, the set was all on wheels, yeah, so they could move all the walls. Yeah. So, but they appeared like they were still, and the the scenery outside the the cityscape, the New York cityscape at the, at the back. The clouds and the lighting was obviously gradually changing throughout the um, throughout the film, and the whole thing reminded me of um, Rear Window, and mm. it felt like it was almost there was not the script, but the way it was, the way it was shot, yeah. mm. the the views that you see out of the window, mm. how it goes from the the external to the internal. Mm. All of that stuff. And the gradual I think, lighting changes goes yeah. from day to night as well. Maybe I think you, you, I think you really get a sense that it was an experiment, mm. but and he might not have liked it, but he didn't. He didn't cast that aside. He learned from that yeah, and yeah. honed it to an excellent. You honed that in a really excellent way when mm. he did Rear Window. Yeah, I think what I like about it is it's quite concise. Mm. I do mm. like a short film, and it's only an hour and seventeen minutes. I think for me, the experiment. It does sort of work because I've, I've stuck with it all the way through it and mm. this is the third time I've watched it and not been bored once and it's a play on film which yeah. I find bizarre because you think of play on film it's going to be really static and dull but for me it, it really works and I love watching the sizzling chemistry between the three mm. men as well I think that's really good. But I think a lot of it is the writing and the way it jumps yeah, from too. conversation to conversation yeah. is what makes it feel like it ever, ever stays at one point and it's I think it's Famous for the way he shot it as well with the 10 minute segments mm. for the entire reel. He's always zooming on like someone's back or something. But yeah. I only noticed it once, yeah. to be fair. It I only noticed it once. It jarred me. There's only 10 edits in the whole film and five of them are hidden. Well, say hidden, but you know where they are, really. There's one where it's like he's talking to him in the hallway and it literally comes around and for no reason goes into his jacket and then yeah. comes yeah. back out yeah. and they're standing in a completely different position. And I was like, I think wow. he wanted to try and do the whole film in one shot, mm-hmm. but I think technologically they couldn't do it. The reel of film would only let you film twenty minutes at a time, yeah. so it just wasn't possible. So I mean, he did the best he could at the time, mm-hmm. but I, that's what I mean. Like the fact it only broke me once is 
good. I think it's a really impressive that I only came out of reality once. Yeah. But that one time I did come out was jarring, and I rebounded to make sure I hadn't just gone insane because I didn't realize what was going on at first, mm. and then I was like, got it. I think yeah. all the all the scenes where there's a hard cut are points where they would have to change the film reel anyway. Mm. All the soft all the soft cuts were supposed to be hidden. You weren't you weren't supposed to see them. So, but where there's a hard cut is where. They, they, yeah, they physically had to, so it was like there's no point disguising this one because the reel's changing anyway. Yeah, yeah it was just let's zoom in and zoom back. Yeah. yeah, another really interesting queer reason of the film I read was that, which I thought was really interesting, which really good. Um, they talk about how the two characters, so you got so they talk about how Philip and Brandon are clearly a couple and they've got a dirty secret. And it's locked right oh, yeah. in front of them and under the noses of all the friends and family. Mm. And I was thinking it would be funny. It would have been even more obvious if they just put the body in a closet. Mm. Yeah. You know, I thought that was quite interesting. When did when was that saying about though? Would that have saying had been around in the forties? In the closet, I'm not sure when that came about. That must have a pretty specific origin, I would have thought. Yeah, I don't know. No. Well then I mean it's not that far from having it. Skeleton, didn't you? Yeah, closet, maybe. Yeah. I suppose, yeah. Skeleton. Gay skeleton. <laughs> gay skeleton. I do think the film is, for its time, it's an important queer film, actually. I think more younger queer viewers should see it, mm. just to see how well a writer could get around the restrictions of mm. putting a gay film out in that time. And also, Hitchcock's interesting. I find that really interesting. Someone said, I think um, I was reading somewhere that someone was saying that he wouldn't have been as interested in the film if they weren't gay characters. If they were, if they were just two killers, or they were just two gay men, and it was a drama, he wouldn't have been interested it's because it was gay right killers. He that's what drew him. That's what drew Hitchcock to, to the project. Yeah, and I wonder what that is. I wonder what that, what that interest is Hitchcock because he did the same strangers on the train as well. Mm. Is it just is it the taboo that just adds an extra free song to the macabre? Maybe it's the element of shock. Mm. Maybe he was trying to look like he was trying to. Shock as audience, mm. and I think there's something to be said about this film works because the gayness is there, but it's in the background. I think if it's when it's out there in full view, and if the two characters were like you know having sex and stuff on screen, and there was like that in your face obviousness within this context of this film, it wouldn't work. It just added an extra element of there's something going on here that we're not talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think that just plays nicely in the background between the two things that they're both had. And, yeah. And it just, yeah, it's just the way it works. Mm. And I think that's probably what it draws, draws into it. Yeah. Take it easy, Philip. Rupert's on to something. He isn't, no, let up. Got to have a drink, Brandon. Enough. You're not Take your hand off my arm. Don't you ever again tell me what to do and what not to do. I don't like it, Brandon, and I'm not going to take invoice now. I, uh, I hope I didn't upset Philip. You never listen to Philip. No, no, he's more likely mixing his drinks. You seem rather upset yourself. Do I? Yes, there's something upsetting both of you a great deal, something that, uh... Excuse me, sir. There's a lady phoning for either Mr. Kentley or Mrs. Atwater. Oh, it must be Alice. I'll talk to her, Henry. Uh, down the hall to your left, dear. Thank you. The first bedroom. Mr. Kentley, do you suppose David could possibly be home? I don't know, Janet. I hope so. I uh, hate to throw a damper, but if David was home, I should think he'd be calling instead of Mrs. Kentley. Wouldn't you say so, Brandon? I wouldn't know. The David I remember was very polite as well as very punctual. 
He hasn't changed. Of course, if he's not at home, where could he be? Don't ask me. I don't know. Well, he might be in a number of places, such as the club or the Bradleys are giving a party. Or maybe he went down to Janet's. Why? Perhaps he decided to pick her up after all. I phoned my place after I spoke with Mrs. Kentley. He wasn't there? No. I left a message just in case, but... We might have a better chance of finding out where he is now if we knew where he was this afternoon. What do you think, Brandon? I haven't the least idea where he was this afternoon. But don't you think it would help if we found out where he was? I suppose so. I know he went to the club this afternoon to play tennis, and I know that he got there. Why? Because someone phoned from there the message that David would meet us here. Well, do you know who gave the message? No. Well, then, obviously, David ran into someone at the club who changed his plan. To... You weren't there this afternoon by any chance, were you, Kenneth? No. I wish I had been. I don't suppose you or Brandon were, Philip? No. Hardly. We had our hands full getting ready for the party. Oh, there was a lot to be done this afternoon. Well, you know. Yeah, I see. You, uh... Didn't speak to David at all today, then? No. Uh, why do you ask? Well, I just thought that perhaps he might have called to say he'd be late or something. Well, he didn't. Well, neither Philip nor I have talked to David since the day we invited him to the party. That's odd. What do you mean? I thought I heard David on the phone to Philip yesterday morning. You know that Jimmy Stewart's character, his suspicions, he knows something's yeah. off. What gets it for him? It's the hat. It's the hat. Yeah, he's quite... he gets handed the wrong hat. It doesn't fit his head. It's mm. too small. Yeah, and it's got D David's D initials monogrammed. Yeah. DK, in. isn't it? Inside. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting though because that's the same kind of mundane occurrence that the Audi recorded in real life. Mm. It was just a pair of glasses. Yeah, it's a hat. So it's true. That sort of twist of fate, you know, mm. can. And I love the fact that he leaves. That he doesn't immediately react. Yeah. He leaves, and there's almost a sense of he needs to sort of work it out, work himself. It out himself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. So it, yeah, they could have. He could have just gone and thought, no, that can't be right. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's just left his hat, incidentally. Yeah. yeah. But he obviously just mulls it over. And in another film, possibly in another Hitchcock film, a later Hitchcock film, you would have had, you would have seen that. Mm. You would have seen him get in his car. A bit like Marion when she's driving to the to the motel in Psycho, you would have you would have heard him having the conversations in his head. You yeah. would have piecing together the chicken story that they, they got wrong. It'd have been another five ten minutes of the film, but I don't know if that that seg would have been yeah. that segment. Yeah. See, yeah. I thought he was kind of what he was actually doing. Maybe it's just me reading a difference, but I thought he was going away and letting everyone else leave so that he could come up with himself Maybe. to confront them mm -hmm. especially because he was going to accuse them of yeah. murder and mm -hmm. he wanted to be sure because then you get the tension of when he's going to open the chest and it's like you know is he going to find the body and I think he wasn't sure at that point he still didn't want to believe it mm. but it also says a lot about his character doesn't it that he is willing to let everyone leave and go and be in there with two people who he thinks are capable of murder, and he mm. is willing to confront them by himself. Mm. But he probably knows that it's only really one. He knows he, he probably knows it's Brandon mm. and Philip's just being manipulated. That's why I mean. so it says a lot about his like his confidence and his own arrogance as well. Yeah. You yeah. know, his he also there. wasn't very good at hiding his um, cigarette tray or yeah. whatever it was. He just, he just <laughs> oh, yeah. very nonchalant. Yeah. 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 No, it's yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I love his line when he goes, I'll be off. 
as soon as I finish my drink, and you think, oh, he's going to leave, but then he just picks his drink up and just, oh, I'll die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just, like, teases them with that. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's that whole... Well, the, the, the bit with the books, where he gives his dad the books, the rare first edition books. Tied up. With the, with the, the actual rope. rope. It's just awful. And it's just <laughs> such a terrible, it's sort of horrible, terrible thing that a fucking psychopath would yeah. do. Yeah. Just for the, uh, just for the thrill yeah. and the, the, the just awful. It's, own, the yeah, it's his own, like, grim satisfaction. Mm. He knows that his dad's walked off with the rope that kills his son. Yeah. And he's got it. One thing that I think was a bit missing was that I thought Philip was going to have a bit of a turning point towards the end and become the aggressor. That's what I thought was going to be. I, I would have thought there'd be more of a twist in that mm. you would think you'd be watching Brandon the whole time thinking, mm. like, he's going to kill Rupert, he's going to he's going to take control, shoot him and all this sort of stuff. I, I did think it would be Philip who would... I don't know, turn on Brandon, mm. maybe, you know, sort of it happens in quite a few films. But you get the, well, I got the impression he's kind of like an alcoholic, you know what I mean, he can't, that, he can't deal with it, that's why he's an alcoholic. Yeah. Because as the film goes on, he gets more and more pissed, and by the end of the film, he's just fucked, he just yeah. can't function. Yeah. And it's like... He just only gets the gun in the end, though. No, no, but I thought he would be more, he, I thought, because you're watching Brandon waiting for him to mm. strike the whole time, I thought Phil would be the one who's a bit more calculated, mm. and um, he's he's got this sort of doe-eyed, you know, power-bottom look about him, mm-hmm. but in the end he completely takes yeah, control, yeah. and he was planning it the whole time. I would have... That he was going to flip it. I possibly would have liked, yes, I possibly would have liked to have seen that. But isn't that, I'd like to have seen that. That's the dynamic of Scream, though, isn't it? That's Billy and... It is, yeah. yeah. It there's is. always, you know, one strong and one weak, and there's no, someone's always being manipulated. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I suppose. I like it's the writer in me that just likes a good twist. Um, flip flop. It's talking of a good flip flop. It's set in the same breath as Power Button. That's true, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I just liked. Back. The lighting on this um, final scene where it, the street lights and the neon lights outside just come in, and I like Jordan this tense moment at the end where they're doing the reveal. The room flashes like orange and green. Yeah, and with the neon side. They all outside. kind of go to their own side, don't they? He, that that shot's amazing. Just the last scene so where he's good. like, yeah, Rupert is it Rupert just sitting down? Mm. Brandon's just smoking a cigarette because he doesn't got and nothing to drink. And Philip's just playing the piano. Isn't he? Yeah. yeah, you can almost see the curtains coming down. Yeah, down, yeah, yeah. On it. yeah. So good. yeah. Do you know, I think it's such a powerful end. Yeah. Because um, actually, when I first. <laughs> when I first. <laughs> God. Um, innuendo not intended. Um, when, I, when I actually watched it for the, for the podcast, I looked at the end and thought, that's just a bit of a jump script, but that actually had stayed with me. Yeah. And the more I thought about it since watching it, the more I thought, God, Rupert's just desolate. Because yeah. it's not just those two who are going to go and be put on trial. He's going to be put on trial yeah, for yeah. teaching them this. Yeah, yeah. His life. He's almost even like an if accessory. He is, yeah, he's an accessory. And even if he doesn't get put on trial legally or go to prison... The world is gonna ju- yeah. the world's gonna judge him, and his life is gonna be over because he's 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 taught this perverted philosophy to them. It's the weight of his own words, isn't mm. it? It's what he's done. It, it's his um, it's his legacy, really, that he's yeah. 
set out there and who who knows what other young people he's yeah. sort of fed with that who are going up there mm. doing the same thing and when he's actually putting it all together and he's going through the things to them and he's telling them what they're doing is wrong he spends half the time justifying his own behaviour and yeah. he's not actually talking about what they're doing he's like he's saying yeah. Oh no! But you've got something in you that made you do this. Yeah. Whereas I've got something in me that made me not do this. It's yeah. he's not saying that for them. He's saying that to make himself feel like better. I'm not. Yes, yeah. I'm not. I've not done I've really. Got yeah. better All three me. of them are looking after, after number one. Mm. Yeah. Really, nobody's thinking about what about what what's he going to do? What's the what's my effect? What's the effect of my actions on this other person? They're all thinking about themselves, how to save themselves, really. And I think possibly Rupus is the one who would suffer the most because mm. he's got to live with the guilt of what he's done what he's yeah. caused mm. and that's a really grim ending for a Hollywood film yeah. isn't it yeah, yeah actually it's such a desolate mm. grim gloomy ending yeah. there's nothing there's, though in a way it's tied up in a bow because you've got police sirens and the yeah. police are coming and everybody outside's had the gun shot through the window to alert them yeah. actually it isn't a tidy ending yeah. it's a really messy Grim ending well, altogether. Yeah, nothing about the film is set up to be a Hollywood success if no. you think about it. No. Static, one location, small cast, gay undertones, overtones, and a really downbeat ending. Filled in Technicolor with unrelentingly dull colours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was his first, yeah. it was his first colour film, wasn't it? So he wasn't right. quite used to how to make things. But well. everybody, all the costumes, yeah. the colours of the costumes, everything was greys, blacks, yeah. browns. Yeah. So lovely I do think there's an interesting point with the, the, the costumes though, because I think the colours of the the colours that everyone's wearing, I think signifies their character. So you've got the older characters, or at least how Brendan sees them. Brendan sees them, sorry. It's like because Kenneth and Philip was wearing browns. Yeah. The three older people, David Stad, Mrs. Atwater, and Rupert, they're all wearing greys. Uh, Janet is wearing red. Mm-hmm. So it's like, she's wearing red. So she's she, scarlet in the... No, well, yeah, she's... With that, the rope. That's to be a Lauren. <laughs> so she's basically the prize. And she's right for a Lauren. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like... Rupert and the old the older characters in the film are wearing grey, so they're kind of like insignificant. That's kind of just a neutral colour as if these people aren't important. Yeah. So that's kind of like they're under they're beneath them. Philip and Kenneth are wearing brown. And yeah. to me, I mean, I'm sure someone's probably wrote about this already, but it's like that that's the the colour of clay. So he's basically mold, mold. they're just he's moulded them and he's wearing blue. Yeah. It's like cold, so he's yeah. cold blooded, he's the murderer. So all the colours that they wear and speaks about the character. That's really interesting. Yeah, I don't know if it's on purpose. I, I mean, another rug pull from Jonathan yeah. Butler. <laughs> no, I think that's really that really yeah. makes a lot of sense. It does. Yeah, it really does. Because Janet is essentially just a prize. Mm. Yeah, Brandon is basically passing it around between them by manipulating those two. Mm. Did you um, look at the credits properly when they were rolling? Did you read them? No. No, no, okay. Because, um... I did... Yes. Well, I don't know what you're going to say. I did because look at the, credi- the credits. When the credits yeah. come up, it says the players is the title of it, and then it says uh, David who gets made as played by this person, and then every set of people underneath that is separated. So it says David's um, rivals, and it's the two men, and then it's David's... Uh 
Gail and it's Janet and then it's David's friends. So those are all from the perspective right. of David's yeah. dad's yeah. and David's aunt. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's like it's everything. The play is all about him. Yeah. Yeah. Which what I thought was, was quite yeah. interesting since he's, he's only in it for like 10 seconds. Well, he wasn't supposed to be in it at all, was he? No. So the way that the screenplay was written was that it, you'd come in and it was it's already happened. Whereas Hitch wanted to put the murder in, it was his idea to do it at the, at the last minute. Which the writer always thought diminished some of the I think tension. I I think isn't it interesting though? Because actually, you've just like triggered a thought in my head. Because quite often, when there's a big crime, when there's a terrible crime, the person who gets the least attention is the, is the, is the victim. And I think that's and, what they and, and Unless that's it's a child. You. Unless it's a child, but quite yeah. even quite often when it's a child, you yeah. the tension is more on the people who perpetrated the crime and even the parents yeah. than it ever is on the actual because they're evening. the players, like like he's just yeah. said in the cast, they're, they're the players. You've got the two villains mm-hmm. who are the celebrities, mm-hmm. and then you've got the the poor anguished parents. You mm-hmm. know, they're the players. They're they're the people that. It's it's sometimes it's easier for the for the public to hold those people up in the in certain roles that they're mm. used to seeing than to confront the fact that oh there's a kid dead. Yeah. But it's in, it's interesting that that Hitchcock's film centers the credits around, around mm. yeah. the person, the victim, the person who's the least. Yeah, yeah. And if you think about he it, he puts it center stage. The real life crime, crime of the century. It's nothing to do with the kid's name. I don't. Yeah. Mm. The, the kid's name isn't the one that's in light. It's the problem. Yeah. Going through going through a lot of um, articles about it in the last couple of days, there was only one that referred to it as the Bobby Frank's murder. Oh. Out of all yeah. of them, there was just one. Yeah, and I think that says a lot. And I think yeah. that that was a deliberate reference by Hitchcock to say. Let's think about the real person who was the victim in this. Mm. Let's think about the real story. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Rope was the first film to be inspired by Leopold and Loeb. I think so, yeah. Then came a film called Compulsion, which I haven't seen. Has anyone seen Compulsion? No, I, I feel like I should watch it because I like Olsen Wells, so I've, yeah. I've, I've let myself down there. <laughs> yeah. I think I've seen it a very long time ago, but yeah. that's got an interesting connection to the actual crime, hasn't it? Because the fellow who. It's a film of a book called Compulsion. Right. And it was, um, which is about the Leopold and Leo yeah. crime. Mm. And the guy who wrote the book wanted to, um, which one didn't die? Leopold. He tried Leopold. to sue him. Well, he actually wanted, the writer wanted to write the book with Leopold, oh, but uh, he wouldn't do it. I've read about this, yeah, because he said he didn't want to be involved in any kind of sensationalist. Yeah. So he just went ahead and wrote yeah. the book any, right. anyway. Okay. And then when they were making the film, Leopold tried to sue them to say it was sensationalising the um, sensationalising the story and right. it shouldn't be. And it, was found, it, it wasn't successful. Is that why he went to Puerto Rico? When he got out? Was he wanted to avoid... He wanted to avoid all the publicity. And the big mm. Well, he wrote a book... Um, didn't he? In he wrote a couple of books. He wrote one about his life in prison, and it starts after the murder, and everyone calls him out oh. and everything. And so, like, why didn't he talk about the murder? But the thing is, is that he, he just didn't want he didn't to. Want it. Yeah. That wasn't the thing he was talking about. He wasn't trying to edit his life. He it's was just trying to. Do you want to read this book? Mm. I think he's a very interesting man. He wrote like three him. books. He wrote that book about his life in prison, but yeah. after the murder. Yeah. Um. 
And then he wrote two bird watching books. <laughs> did he? <laughs> yeah. Um, but he seems pretty cool. He did like he when he was in prison. He made the library. He improved the library. He set up a teaching thing. He learned twelve languages in prison wow. on top of the fifteen languages that he already knew. Yeah, yeah. Which is just insane to me. He um, was very, very. In- he was, he was super intelligent, he got a lot not of, superhuman. Got a lot of free time in prison, I suppose. Yeah. But it's if like you don't, you know, 50, then you're like, you're 15, that's yeah. crazy. no Duolingo in those days. No, that's true. true. That's true. Not even an, um, what's the other one called? Rosetta. Rosetta Stone. Stone. And then it's just, I, I just like them. I like the story when he's, um, he kept trying to separate them, and every time they got back together, they just turned up being in a relationship so I like the fact that they went to prison and stayed together as a couple and then he died quite quickly though didn't he but he died low I think it was like a bit in it was when the family stopped it was about 10 years wasn't it oh right the murder was in the 20s wasn't it it was in 36 I think he died Mm. he was like stabbed to death in the shower slashed to death in the shower and the guy James K I think his name Mm. was said that he came on to him but he didn't James Day said that he came on to him but he was actually there was no evidence that he'd ever come under anyone in prison, but there was evidence that day had come under yeah, men in prison. Yeah, he was quite off. Yeah, he was implicated in abuse and yeah. quite a few other prisoners. Oh, okay, right. But when he died, Leopold is the one that's mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Offered to transfuse his blood, but he couldn't because it was too late. And then they let him wash the body as like a goodbye to his friend. Didn't he give us? You're totally swept up in the romance of these child killers. What is wrong with you? I know. Sir? It was just dead sad when I read it. <laughs> but then, like, then the reality hits me. I never think no. But people can be people can be people, human beings can be evil and good at the same time. That's yes, human. That's the, 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 the grey area. Isn't it? Man doesn't exist very often. Most yeah. people are grey. Yeah, mm. and that's interesting. Imagine trying to make a film about that. That would never. That would be hard to get made. Wouldn't it? You mm. want to make a, a truthful film about those two. Yeah. And not portray them just as one or one thing or the other. Though, do you know what? It's swoon when Leopold hears the news and yeah. he's screaming in the cells. Mm. I think that's just one. I don't. I didn't really enjoy swoon that much, but that part, of that moment in the film, oh God, I was. It was heartrending. It's moving, it's isn't just it? so moving. It was yeah. just awful. And I felt so much for him. And that was true, though, as well. Mm. That was literally lifted out. So we're jumping the gun. Sorry. So mm. compulsion, and then, well, not really, because I was just going to say. So Swoon came along in 1992. And yeah. um, before that, so and Compulsion had completely, well, Rope didn't really, mm. but on the surface they played down the homosexual element, where Swoon came along and it was, I think it was the debut feature of the director. Mm. And you were saying, like, you know, it was at the forefront of like the the new queer art collective sort of film movement. So there was, yeah, there was him, there was Greg Araki, yeah, with the Living End. I remember that film? I loved that film. A couple of other films. I, I do, and I don't like that film. <laughs> the Living End. The Living End. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit dodgy in terms. Bit, well, no, it's not that. There's, uh, it's um, one of the characters just really, really pisses me off. Yeah, annoys me all yeah. the time. That's always the way in all those films. There's always one like that, though. <laughs> um, Swoon was on Channel Four. Channel Four um, in the eighties mm-hmm. and late eighties, early nineties were really good at programming queer films, and they used to have a thing called um, something like Out of the Closet or something. Mm. It was on every week for like a whole season of a few months, and there were always these gay films that were on at like midnight. So I'd always stay up and watch them on the slide. Yeah. 
because they were always obviously full of sex and stuff. Um, it was when I was first introduced to Tom of Finland was through those those seasons of films, and Swim was one of them. And I was I loved it at the time because it was just full of like naked men rolling around on beds together, and then this sort of child murder pops up in the middle of it. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? But then they started having sex again, so it was fine. And he, <laughs> did he pull like chaffinches out of his? Awesome. Yeah. It was on scene. That's yeah. Very... Don't, question, don't question our seduction techniques. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You still have much to learn. <laughs> 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 when we say we're chafed between the legs, it's actually chafed. <laughs> That's where it comes from. Oh, okay, yes, that yes, makes sense. Yes, you'll so, Richard Loeb's played by Daniel Schlache, I don't know how to pronounce that, and Nathan Leopold is played by Craig Chester. Now, Loeb is absolutely gorgeous mm-hmm. in this film, and he um, basically spends most of the film rolling around on, like, white, crisp sheets in black mm-hmm. and white. Yeah. It's like a Calvin Klein advert, yeah. or yeah. a Bruce Weber video, which is hilarious. Mm. But works for me. I, I, I like that element of it. I do quite like it. They were my favourite bits. They were my favourite, <laughs> well, Yeah. Um, it just spends a lot of time lazing about in his undies um, and it, it is a bit like a Pet Shop Boys video mm-hmm. in parts isn't it October 13th 1923 I've waited six weeks since our last crime Do I do what you want do what you want. Go for a drive. One condition. I drive. You just enjoyed the treat of shaking hands with a murderer. Nathan Leopold's criminal nature can be discerned in the contours of his face. The slope of his nose and the tilt of his chin indicate his cunning and deceptive nature. Although he blames Richard Loeb for the murder, his profile proves him a compulsive liar. People have a right to know about their perversions. Sustain. I want this court clear to women. The basic motive in this case is the desire to satisfy unnatural lusts. Nathan, you have to admit, smart or not, you're in a huge mess. Listen, I I don't feel sorry for myself. You want to get caught, don't you? If you could get pregnant, you would, wouldn't you? So it's sort of avant-garde, black and white, very artsy. But what this film does is it really does focus on the stuff that the other films didn't. So the murder is really grisly, isn't it? It's really explicit. Mm. And the gay element of it, the mm. sexual relationship, is explicit. So because of that, I think it's an important film. I think it's one that should be seen if anyone's seen Rope and is interested in the killers and what inspired it. I think this is an important film for them to see, don't you? It would be a bold film to me now in some ways even to actually go off your way to make a film to reclaim two characters as being explicitly gay is a really it's a very bold political statement to make isn't it yeah 
you and to have a film where gay people aren't victims, particularly at that time when you're thinking, you know, lots of the films where uh, lots of the lots of the LGBT themed films would be HIV related, like Philadelphia and maybe coming out stories and how people were within you know, relation to family relationships. A lot of the time there's a victim narrative rather than people being protagonists. Yeah. So actually to do a film where people are protagonists and dreadful characters. <laughs> horrible people. <laughs> horrible people. Based is, on real people. Based on real people is quite a is um, quite a bold move. But actually to do it in such a human way yeah. as well. Yeah. They're not it's not about it's neither gay people are victims nor gay people are are perverted and awful and evil. It's actually these are these characters are both. Yeah, mm. and that, that is still rare. It's mm. more rare now than ever. I think. <laughs> what did you think, John, of the film? I mean, for me, I thought what was interesting was there were lots of vignettes of realism mm. that were really good, wrapped around, but they were sort of wrapped in like a weird. Art yeah, scene there was little surreal, surreal bits popped in and out. The film was interesting. I think technically it. It was a bit of a letdown for me. I thought, I think, a bit more money it might have uh, helped. Yeah. There's like one set, and it's like everyone's in there, and it's like the beds in there, and then it's their room, and then yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they just watched. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. It's like, oh, yeah. it's like, like rope. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when there's like when the they're playing cards, and it's meant to be somewhere yeah. else, and you can t- see it's just the same yeah. room. So I think. That hit it. The story is good, mm. but I think technically it was a little, a little cheap. I, I thought, thought the acting was good, though. No, the acting is good. Yeah. I liked um, how pretty close it is to actual facts, mm. and I like all the reality bits, but I do think when it goes a bit dreamy and it feels like the other good film, and then they just slap some arty shit on top of it to try and seem cool. Do you like him? Yeah, and I just didn't like it. I didn't like those elements of it. They really took me out. Yeah. No, when some, if it was the characters, I was fine. Some of those bits I thought were quite good. It was when the the, the court case bit at the end, and then the bed appears in court. That was really powerful. I thought that because yeah. that's because what they're saying. Well, what I took that to mean is they're not really putting them on trial. They're putting their relationship on trial, yeah. and it's mm. this is the case is not really about the crime. Yeah. The case is just about them being gay. So mm. that's yeah. them in bed. Yeah. That's what that saying to me. Yeah. yeah. Because there will have been there will elements of that in the court case. Mm-hmm. Is it true that so the the guy who defended them who gave the like twelve hour um, summation of the yeah. and um, he basically got them off off the death penalty as well? Yeah, didn't yeah. He? he was famous, that wasn't was, he? Yeah. He was famous for that speech for getting them off the death penalty. Yeah. So he is it true that he used their sexuality in in part for their defence? So he said they were sort of me- they were like mentally ill. Um, I think it was he was saying that they were mentally ill I don't know if that was directly the reason why but I imagine it would have been yeah because I think that's quite interesting so he a part of his a big part of his speech was a condemnation of capital punishment as well mm. wasn't it he was basically saying you can't punish two people for killing someone by killing them mm. you know he was saying that you're just as savage as they are mm. which I thought was interesting there's elements of that in this film as well. he was dead famous I can't remember his name he's Darrow a, isn't that's it that's it Charles um, Darrow yeah something like that it's sad again though that their relationship is on trial and Bobby Franks is yeah. is sort of incidental. Yeah. yeah. But once again is that probably the most scandalous thing about the entire thing. It was two rich men, maybe if they were two rich straight men 
and it was a poor kit, then they probably would have got away with it again. Yeah. But they weren't that different from each other, though. That's the thing, because I think you... Bobby Franks was 14, they were 18 and 19. They were, all three of them are teenagers. Yeah. yeah. Granted, the two murderers are four or five years older than, than the victim, and that's significant, but they're actually... You could argue, actually, all three of them were boys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and not that, that pardons what they did, but you're not necessarily talking about... It's not as... It's not as um, it's not as clear course as saying you've had two men who've killed a boy. Mm. Actually, it's more. It is more ambiguous than that. But I think what this film does quite powerfully is that it it's sort of with rope. They make them seem very contemporary and all the same mm. age. But in this film, they don't shy away from the fact that it was a fourteen-year-old yeah. boy that they killed, and they actually cast someone who looks younger than fourteen yeah. and sounds younger than fourteen. So then, when he's being groomed, it's 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 much more. Disturbing, and then when he's being murdered, he's got these childlike, high pitched yes. screams that sounds like a little boy mm. being murdered, and there's blood splattering everywhere. Um, and it doesn't feel trashy or exploitative; no. it just feels really disturbing. Yeah, mm. um, the way it should, in ways, the way it should be. Yeah, yeah, and I did like that. I like that this film seems to have it did seem to have balls. Mm. A Definitely. lot of its decisions, a lot of its artistic choices, might have left some of us a bit cold with the arty side of it. But it sort of had the strength of its own convictions, mm. didn't it? And really, and really went for it. It didn't shy away from anything. Do you, one of the moments that I really liked is when the um, the trial starts and the judge says the women have to yeah, go to court relieve. I loved that and yeah, they just yeah. because their friends who are in drag all leave with yeah. the women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I love that. I love the. Um, Sorry, back to the grizzly bit, but the, the acid, they kept the acid element in the film too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just, um, there was a little bit where you see a shot of his naked feet and ankles, and it, again, it looks like a child. Mm. And it just brings home the horrible, horrible reality of it. I en- really enjoyed the montage of people reacting to the murder, saying they should be hung, they should be tarred mm. and feathered, mm. and uh, you know all the usual histrionics yeah. and the fact that the killers are in there. I was going to say, yeah, they're, 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 they're aren't they? Yeah, because I think that's actually based in fact, isn't it? Because didn't Leopold do a similar thing to Ian Huntley and actually approach the press to yeah. talk about the case? Yeah, one of them it was. Yeah, one of them did. One of them stayed quiet. Yeah. So, the other one yeah. said mm. that if I was going to kill a boy, it would be a boy like him mm. or something like that. Yeah. That's yeah, he called him like a cocky, cocky little shit and he killed him, yeah. And he deliberately done that. But that's yeah. typical of all psychopaths mm. is that they tend to involve themselves in the crime and press, which just supports my theory that I wouldn't have been the only one. I think one of them was psychopathic. The other one was probably all right. You mean your yeah, favourite? Your favourite. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> your one. <laughs> your one. I'm just justifying it, shut up. <laughs> Stephen Leopold there. Something does come out in the trial, doesn't it, where it's like, I kind of, I, I don't know if I was misunderstanding it, but it was like, he was blackmailing them into... It wasn't even like having sex with him, was it? It was like he'd make him put his legs together. So it was fake bumming, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, where he'd, he'd basically fuck his thighs. Yeah. That was so, it, yeah. but... I, but the film kind of portrays it as a relationship, but then at the end, it kind of leaves this little thing like he was manipulating them all along, and it was like, yeah, I'd let you do this to me whenever we commit a crime. So it was like a reward almost, and it was like, it, yeah. it changed the relationship, I think. 
it was, it was weird. Well, it was basically their psychology, wasn't it? That Loeb wanted to be worshipped and Leopold wanted someone to worship. So one of them, I don't know whether it was Loeb or Leopold, had fantasy about... I think it was... He I had all kinds of slave, slavery fantasies. It was Loeb, mm. but he had, to, he had this fantasy that he was like an Egyptian king or something. And all his Leopold slaves were slave. branded and tattooed yeah. with his marks and stuff. So they both got something from each other. So yeah. Leopold saw... Um, Leopold saw someone who was like gorgeous and um, yeah. and confident and cocky and the things that yeah. he not, wasn't necessarily that good at, yeah. and he really wanted to worship that. So, so it was it was I think it was a genuine relationship. It was just it was all based not, on power play. Yeah, yeah. which read, a lot of relationships mm-hmm. are, aren't they? I read on Wikipedia. So I know it's, mine is. it's fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they said about using the sex as a reward for two yeah. camps yeah. so I think it was a relationship but then one of them got off on doing these kind of things and then one yeah. of them was rewarded for taking part with the sex and it became a, yeah. like a power yeah. control Just issue it, let's do it with it and then it, it, I think the acts of violence became interlinked with the sex yeah it just makes it a bit less clear you know what I mean it, it makes the relationship a bit more it muddies it yeah definitely and what muddies it even more is going back to top and bottoms as well because from what from what's in the film I don't even I don't know whether this is based on facts but so Loeb would say to Leopold we can have sex whenever you do something for me but his role in the in the sex was that he would be the bottom mm-hmm. um, so he would submit in bed mm. to Leopold even though he was in charge and if the thing about fucking the thighs is true listeners I'm doing the actions here with my fingers and it's really not nice um, if the thing about fucking the thighs is true it's almost like it's almost like Loeb is pretending to be submissive but he's not quite but he's, he's not, not letting yeah. him do it no that makes sense yeah. and he was probably topping other times yeah yeah it just it just muddied it I think it was it's all very in yeah. your head yeah <laughs> <laughs> in my very clear image I've got going <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, it's in, it is it's that interesting. You, I think the case is really interesting, and I, I'm intrigued to read this book now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just thought that another version of that film, I think, probably would work. Now that there's a bit more like appetite for something like that, you know what I mean? I think if someone was to, you know, do another film about that, mm-hmm. I think it could work. Someone released another one. I'd go and see it. I'm still gonna cut all this so nobody else gets the idea. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, <laughs> right in the new version. I don't think you're either. No, no, because it, it is a, the story is very interesting, but I think that film, what that film was lacking is just money. That, yeah. That's it. It's yeah. not lacking anything else. It's just, it just, it was such a niche film that. And it went really under the radar as yeah. well. Mm. I think it deserves like an arrow, mm. arrow release or something just to give it a bit more, a bit more exposure. I'd be quite interested, actually, listeners. Um, are you are you fans of this film? Do you know this film? Let us know because I'd be quite intrigued to see how many people out there know it. Who aren't necessarily, you know, like me and Martin, who were, who were like, you know, soaking up all of the gay avant-garde films of the nineties. Because what what was interesting is when we put out the Scream podcast, somebody from the horror movie podcast tweeted and said, "Please be talking about Leopold and Loeb during the Scream podcast." And I re- replied to him saying, "Oh no, we're, you know, we're saving that for our rope episode." So I wonder, have you seen Spoon and what do you think of it? I'd be quite interested. But yeah, I think I think um it's not like a perfect film, much like Rope, it's not mm-hmm. it's not a perfect film. But I think it tackles a really interesting angle of the story, um, mm-hmm. in in that it tackles the truth of it, mm-hmm. really, you know, the emotional truth of it, the grisly dark side of it. Mm-hmm. And it's unapologetically queer. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think it's, I think it's you know effective. It's a really effective film. Am I right in thinking that some of the like stock footage is actual footage of his birds watching like reels that he did at the time? Yeah. And there's, there's like a little there's one little scene where it's like footage of like it's what is it the, the, it's like bird watching and it gives the date and the time looking for this bird and it's all footage of people walking around. Yeah, there is some. I think there's the. I don't know about that, but there is some stock footage in the film yeah. of actually Leopold yeah, on the move, yeah. isn't there? Because I thought that's what it was. Because it's yeah. because he takes kids out on like bird watching trips, doesn't he? he talks yeah. about mm. it. Because isn't that his is excuse for the glasses being there? Is saying I was out there with yeah. I was out there with my bird watching class. Yeah. So I wondered if that footage was actually of him, maybe like yeah. one of the videos he made in the, like the twenties. Very possibly. Because then I think the scene after that is where the birds come out of his pants. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Ornithology poem. Yeah. Ornithology. Ornithology. <laughs> 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 I think I think what I think what Swoon does is it really it's really good at holding up a, a mirror to um, society the way that they look at murder. Mm. The way that the the way that we're intrigued by it, we want more of it, and it's like we were talking before about the roles and how you're more interested in the killers than the victim. But it's also quite good that it, it sort of looks at the press element of it as well. I, I was really confused by the bit where he gets so when Loeb is killed in the showers, and then it's reported as a, a frenzied Negro who attacked him. And I was thinking, why? Why have you said that? He's not. He's. You couldn't even mistake that guy for being black. But I think that was just like a press assumption that it would be yeah. a black man that killed him. So you get to see, the, you mm. know what I mean? So mm. it, it makes that comment about the press as well as the, as well as the vultures circling around the the um, trial and mm. latching yeah, on to yeah. all the lascivious elements of it. There's that little thing as well. There's those little that's making it more scandalous. Yeah, yeah. The press lying. Don't believe you. Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's it. But I think I feel like the director of this film. What's his name? Martin. I haven't got. I haven't got the news. It's Kaylin, something Kaylin, isn't it? Um, I think what I think what Kaylin has got is a very clear agenda when he's making this film. There are very clearly things that he wants to talk about, and that's the queer elements of mm. it. It's the, the sort of outsider elements of the two characters and their and their world that they existed mm. in, and it's his condemnation of the press and, yeah, and of society's the, hunger for violence and the the, the 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 press and society set themselves up as judges and yeah. yet can be as depraved as the killers yeah they want to be judge judy and executioner whereas the scariest element of it is they're just mon- those monsters are the same as us mm. we're capable of as much evil That's a, I, well, I thought i think going back a while now but i thought cruising was trying to for me, that's what Cruising was trying to do as well. It was trying to show something that was muddied, and it's it's more about everyone than trying to, rather than trying to say, oh, gay people are like this or gay yeah. people like that, which I think some people did think at the time. It's like, oh, this is portraying gay people as monsters and stuff. Yeah. I think it was trying to be balanced, and you know, gay people can be killers and straight yeah. people can mm. be killers, but I think people miss that, and I think this film does a better job of doing that. I think cruising was maybe a bit too soon. Mm-hmm. Maybe people weren't yeah. ready for something like that yet. Yeah. I would be quite intrigued to see how the millennial Twitter brigade would respond to Swoon, actually. Mm. I'd really love to see that. Mm. You know there would be an outcry of, they're saying all gays are murderers. 
but those guys wear murderers. See, I think that's the thing. I think that we're cruising. That that if what we take from the film is that that saying this one gay person was a killer. You know, some people will take that and say, you're saying all gay people are killers, and no. I don't think anyone believes that. I don't yeah. think anyone has ever said that. Yeah, yeah. No, you're just falling into someone's agenda again, aren't you? Someone who's got across a bit. Mm-hmm. But I think any film that looks at the grey area and doesn't say one something is one thing or another, it, it's almost doomed to failure in a yeah. way. It's doomed, to, a point. it's doomed to, to its own success in a way that it's sticking to what it wants to say and it, fuck everyone else. Yeah. But it's always going to come into fire. Look, look at three billboards. Mm. Just, you know we loved, and then yeah. I've read all that crap online about it being racist and homophobic and I've all this because I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, and that was that was very much about the grey area of humanity. Mm. You know, no easy answers. There are mm. no easy answers. Mm. You know, art is supposed to ask questions, not give you easy answers to anything. Mm. And I think Swoon succeeds in that, in that aspect. Actually, do you think Loeb is? A, do you think Lisa Loeb is a descendant of Loeb? I wondered that. We're going to have to find out. We're going to have to find well, out. Lisa Loeb. <laughs> Lisa Loeb, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Is your great, 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 great granddaughter child count? It wouldn't be that long ago, was it? It's only the 30s, so it's only be like great, great, great granddads. Not That's even true. that. Because I think I'm probably the same age as Lisa Loeb. Yeah. And She's not that old. It would be her granddad. Well, I hope you enjoyed our foray into serial killer madness. Mm. We'll possibly be doing it again. Um, yeah, I think a lot of criminals, serial killers, always get this cult built up around them, don't they? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And maybe there's another film out there about Leopold and Loeb that's just mm-hmm. waiting to be written. Um, but yeah, we hope you enjoyed that episode. We certainly did. If you haven't seen Rope or Swoon, then actually you can possibly stream them for free on a certain service online. Um, Swoon for sure, but I think mm-hmm. I've seen Rope on there as well. Mm-hmm. So, although there's a, there's a good Hitchcock box set that's pretty cheap at the minute. Yeah, is that the DVD that's the one? one, one, one yeah, yeah which is really good and it's really cheap. Yeah, really, really cheap, and there's there's great extras on the Rope DVD as well. So give that a, give that a look and let us know what you think. You can tweet me with your thoughts on this episode and all our other episodes and on future episodes at Johnny Larkin. You can get Jonathan Butler. Uh, Cthulhu 502 and you can get Stephen Moore at HD99 where can you get Martin is the question you'll find me in the chest under the buffet (laughs) (laughs) just as we're taking the cling film off the chicken leg (laughs) Martin's manicured hand will flop out of the chest (laughs) still clutching that butt plug (laughs) while the chicken stranglers surround <laughs> oh, we're really sorry. We apologise for everything we've said for the last hour and a half. Okay, we'll see you again very soon and um, don't have nightmares. Their heads into the noose like a silly sentimental goose. Each one thinks the other man a fool. He's the one exception to the rule. He says I'll be happy when I'm with later on. He makes it when I'm dead. For when you've got the ball and chain around your ankle, 
And the stony heart a jailer is your wife. There's no virtue in repentance. You have got to serve the sentence, which is labor hard for life. You've a number and you bet your wife has got it. Any hope of a reprieve is all in vain. Matrimony is the crime for which they've got you doing time while your ankle wears a ball and chain.